We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala, and we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him, continuing our study of the Gardens of Righteousness, Riyadh al-Salihin. Uh, okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nariyad Abdullah bin Abbas, Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said that Allah the Glorious said, Verily, Allah has ordered that the good and the bad deeds have been written down. Then he explained it clearly how to write, He who intends to do a good deed and he who does not do it. Then Allah records it for him as a full good deed. But if he carries out the intention and the glorious and the great Allah writes it down for him, with him as from 10 to 700 times, and even many times more. But if he intends to do an evil act and has not done it, then Allah writes it down with him as a full good deed. But if he intends it and has done it, Allah writes it down as one bad deed. Okay, so this is kind of building off of the narration we had a moment ago with uh, our, uh, our previous meeting with the two people who wanted to kill each other. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the intention. Yeah. <laughs> and so so first just put going through all the variations here. If you intend to do something good, but for whatever reason you don't do it, you get credit for having done it. Okay? Yep. That's number one. Scenario number two. If you intend to do something good and you do it, you get credit for doing it ten to seven hundred times. Or more. This is back to the story. Uh, about the charity with the, the guy at the mosque. Like that mosque. too, yes, yeah. He intended to, the Prophet yeah. Muhammad told him, nope, it still counts. Yep. So this is just another is, yeah, reiteration. Very, yeah. yeah, so you get you get rewarded for having done it 10 to 700 times. 10 okay. to 700 times. Or even more. What, what, what's the number based off of? Like, how do I get 13 or a million? You know, so so there are theories like that. Um, seven you or 700 uh, can be connected to an ayah in Al-Baqarah, uh, whereas the likeness of someone who does something good, um, and I'm paraphrasing the translation, uh, is the likeness of someone who plants a seed, and then out, you know, come like seven stalks, and each of those stalks has like a hundred branches, mm -hmm. right? And so it's as though if you do one good, you get the equivalent of having done 700, mm. right? Or more. And we'll make a little bit more sense of it in a moment. Third scenario, you intend to do something wicked, something evil, something wrong, and you do not do it, then you get credit for having done a good deed, which makes sense because you did a good deed by not doing the bad deed. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, if, however, you intend to do something bad and you do something bad, it counts as one. Okay? So let's play this out a few ways. One, the emphasis is being put on a few things. One is the act itself but also your intention, okay? So, in many ways, this balances the field. Because suppose you have someone who is a billionaire and is donating all this money, okay? Um, and that person's getting rewarded for all these donations. And then you don't have nearly as much money as that, okay? Then it almost seems unfair, right? Well, Allah, you gave that person billions, Let's say that person inherited it. They didn't even do anything to earn it. And you did all this work, and you have just a little bit to spare. Okay? One way things get balanced out is that you have this intention that if I had that amount of money, I would give it. Right? 
And then even more than that, I mean, there is one point where companions, you know, made this point to the prophet, peace be upon him. We don't have, you know, anything to give. And then it seems like it's, and I'm paraphrasing them, it seems like it's unfair. So the prophet tells them, okay, recite subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, and that will really make your scales very heavy. Okay. So what I'm saying is that look at how significant an intention is. Okay? We talk about it quite a bit in our community, but I don't think we actually really digest it. And what is an intention really? An intention is when you're trying to manifest your desire. Mm-hmm. So in your heart you have your irada, your desire. Mm-hmm. Right? You wish for something. And then it becomes niya mm-hmm. when you actually do start doing some formulation on how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. How much do you have to do to make it count as a niya? Allah knows best. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that if you do just even a little bit of reflecting, yeah, I would do it this way. It's become a niya. And so, so that in itself, because Niyyah is so important and so much emphasis is given to Niyyah, what that also means is that so much emphasis is given to the condition of your heart. Okay? Because I could be a hypocrite and I'm just giving all kinds of money, but I'm just doing it to show off. Yep. Right? And then maybe you know, I'll get rewarded by people being impressed by me, but I'm not going to get anything on the other side. Mm. But because my intention was sour it's going to continue making my heart sour. Mm-hmm. If my intention is to do something good, then my goal is to purify my heart. Mm-hmm. So what are we saying? If your goal is to purify your heart by doing this one good action, mm-hmm. okay, then Allah is purifying your heart, even if you didn't get it done. Okay. But if your goal is to purify your heart by doing this action and you do it, then Allah has, inshallah, purified your heart 700 times as much. That's how beneficial it is. Okay? Now look at it from another perspective. Suppose you do a good deed, okay? and that inspires me then to do a good deed. I get rewarded for... You get rewarded for what you've done. You get rewarded for what I've done. Mm-hmm. So now you got double. Mm-hmm. I imagine it 700 times. Yeah. Right? And so what that is also then we can derive from that is the importance of doing good deeds with other people. Either in collaboration or for other people. Okay. I mean, try to think of how many good deeds you can do where nobody knows. Like, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Online, it becomes a little bit easier. You can donate and make it anonymous, right? But still, it's really hard to do too many good deeds that do not involve someone else. Right. So when you are doing a good deed, you are also benefiting someone somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you might be starting the ball rolling to get many, many more good deeds. So think of this meeting we're doing right here, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I'm uh, investing time in you. You're investing time in me in terms of the process of learning. Okay. And then whatever it is you and I each gain from this, we might, more than we might realize, apply it somewhere outside of this meeting. Okay. So we get rewarded for this meeting. Oh. And then you might get rewarded for something I got inspired by because we're having this meeting. Or vice versa. Or I might get rewarded for something you were inspired to do related to this meeting. And we just don't know until... And it just adds up. It just adds up. And then on top of that... Um, uh, I think it then it, it makes sense that all right if I intend to do something bad okay it's there's the there's the the beginning of a black spot coming on me but no I turn to something good so Allah is wiping away that black spot um, or removing preventing that black spot from coming on me mm-hmm. and wiping away another one mm-hmm. right because I'm getting rewarded for having done a good deed mm-hmm. and the last one um, uh, if I do a bad deed and I do it um, then it's a black spot 
but unless it's a bad deed where I inspire other people to do a bad deed. That's even, that's the, when the multiplier effect comes Then there's the multiplier effect again, yeah. right? So what we're saying is that I might get 700 good for doing a good deed, and then on top of that, for everybody who gets inspired down the line because of me, right. I might get even more. We never talked about what happens if I, I know this might be a rare scenario, yeah. What happens if I do a good deed which inspires someone to do a bad deed? Yeah, you will not be held to account for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, but suppose I do a bad deed and it inspires you to do a good deed, mm -hmm. it may be that I might get rewarded for that. But wow. probably not. Possibly not. Well, if you had the intention and you act to do a bad deed, I don't see why you would you. Yeah. If I intentionally wanted to make harm on this person. I yeah. ended up doing harm, mm -hmm. but it causes someone to do a good thing. Sure. So, so it may cause that person to then pray for me. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's so, so how does this connect with sincerity? We're saying this is the benefit of keeping sincerity in your heart. Mm -hmm. That you try to do good deeds. You keep trying to do good deeds. That will, by definition, make you sincere. Mm -hmm. There are risks. It can also make you arrogant. But yes. that means it wasn't a good deed in the first place. It means your intention was, was still wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's go to... Uh, the next one, this is a big one. Okay, so this is a hadith number 12 by Abdullah ibn Omar. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a big one. Let's do it. Okay. Abdullah bin Omar bin Qatab narrated that he heard Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad wasallam, as saying, Three men amongst those who came before you set out until night came and they reached a cave. So they entered it. A rock slithered down from the mountain and blocked the entrance of the cave. He said, Nothing will save you from this except that you will supplicate to Allah by mentioning the righteous deeds you have done. Thereupon one of them said, O oh Allah, my parents were very old, and I used to offer them milk before any of my children or slaves. One day I went far away in the class of fodder and could not come back until they had slept. When I milked as usual and brought the drink to them, they had already fallen asleep. I hated to disturb them and also disliked to give milk to my children before them. My children were crying out of hunger at my feet, but I waited with the bowl in my hands for them to wake. When they woke at dawn, they drank the milk. O oh Allah, if I did so to seek your pleasure, then deliver us the distress by this rock. The rock moved slightly, but they were unable to escape. They next said, O oh Allah, I had a cousin who I loved more than anyone else. Uh, another narration says, as passionately as any man could love a woman. I tried to persuade her to have sexual relations with me, but she refused. Hard-pressed in a year of famine, she approached me. I gave her 120 dinars on the condition that she would yield herself to me. She agreed, and when we got together, she said, uh, Fear Allah and do not deflower me unlawfully. I moved away from her in spite of that fact that I loved her most passionately and I let her keep her money I had given her. O oh Allah, if I did that to seek your pleasure, then remove the distress in which we are. The rock moved aside a bit further, but they were still unable to get out. The third one said, O oh Allah, I, labor I hired some laborers and paid them wages, but one of them departed without taking his due. I invested his money in business, and the business prospered greatly. After a long time, he came to me, O slave of Allah, pay me my dues. I said, All that you can see is yours, camels, cattle, goats, and slaves. He said, O slave of Allah, do not mock me. I assured him that I was not joking. 
So he took all the things and went away. He spared nothing all Allah. If I did so seeking your pleasure, then relieve us of this distress. And the rock slipped aside and they got away rocking freely. Okay. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. yeah I like that story. So here, so this story, uh, one of the big questions is, did this really happen? What do you think? Uh, I would say yes. Why? Because uh, it's such a unique scenario. Okay. Even simpler than that, who's the one who's narrating the story? Uh, I forgot. Oh, uh, Omar. Well, I mean, yeah. but who is he quoting? Uh, oh, the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. Said it. So the Prophet, oh, peace be yeah, upon him, is, is reported to have said yeah, it. Yeah. So if he said it, then it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice. I yeah. Omar, I forgot about that. So, yeah, and so the narrator is Abdullah bin Omar. Yeah. So it's not just it's Omar's right. son, yeah. Abdullah. Yeah. Uh, this is a small side point. You will see, may Allah be pleased with them, mm-hmm. um, uh, with the two of them. In, in when you see Abdullah ibn Omar's name because you're seeking Allah to be pleased with Abdullah and with Omar. Mm. Okay? Even though the person here who's speaking is Abdullah quoting the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay. So, think about what's taking place. You have these three guys who are stuck in a cave. Okay? Mm-hmm. And one of them had the wisdom to say, all right, nothing is going to get us out. But Allah. But Allah. Okay? Based on some you know, righteous deed you did for him, okay? So the first thing to think about is that your deeds will potentially have benefit in events that have nothing to do with the deed, right? How it plays out, maybe, you know, a a whole chain of cause and effect leading to other aspects of your life, or Allah Ta'ala just makes it happen. You do this one good deed purely for Allah, maybe you gave this person a dollar, purely for the, the, the pleasure of Allah. And it may be that at some point else in your dunya, because of that, Allah Ta'ala will reveal, relieve a different burden for you. Okay? Okay. So that's another benefit of doing good deeds. Other benefits, other reliefs, reliefs that you'll get. Okay? In ways that you may not even be able to make a connection. Okay? So think about the different benefits we now have of doing good. One is just the reward. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, one is that you might inspire the people. One is, on top of that, it may cause you relief at different points in your life. So in the story, yeah. were the three deeds, yeah. were they all equal to each other? No, not necessarily. Because I could tell the first one moved slightly, yeah. the second one moved, they didn't yeah. even say so, and the third one moved the rock completely. Seems like it. So were these three deeds, one was, it just let up, one was... I mean, it seems like it, but I think that really depend depend on the person, okay. right? You know, there might be one person who has uh, who has far more strength in saying no. You know, in the case of the woman, he was trying to get to yield to him, mm-hmm. uh, but may have the worst time staying up all night for his parents to give them milk, mm-hmm. right? I think it depends on the person, but it does seem like they're going increasing in order, right? Yes. But Allah knows best. But the, one, one, the first point is to think about that your good deeds may result in the manifest of relief later on in life. Mm-hmm. Right? You may not even notice it. Mm-hmm. You may not find out until you're on the other side. Right? That our good deeds will one day save us. That will, yeah, or there'll be a, a source for relief. Right. Yeah, in dunya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let's look at these, these scenarios. Uh, we can read this both literally as well as metaphorically. Literally, you have these guys who are stuck in the dark in a cave. Mm-hmm. Read that metaphorically also. These are three guys who are stuck in darkness, mm-hmm. and they have knots in their heart. 
Okay. And so what is it that's going to break the knot in their heart? It's Allah. Is Allah. Uh, I mean, it's ultimately going to be Allah by virtue of good deeds they've done. So what are we saying here? Something that prevents me from getting closer to Allah is often a condition of my heart. So one way to get closer to Allah is that, okay, or one thing that's preventing me is that my, there's knots around my heart. And a way to break those knots, one way, is to do deeds purely for his pleasure. And that will, inshallah, break some of these knots the way this boulder is being moved. And we're saying sometimes these knots are so tight, it's easier to move a boulder. Right? So if you want to get closer to Allah, one natural way is, even if you feel like your heart's not in it, do good purely for His sake. What if you do good that you're just... Maybe in that moment you didn't think, oh, I'm doing that for Allah. Like, what if you just naturally did something and That's fine. Is that... Those are good. It's not a bad deed. Right, right, right. But so like, it's but you don't think, oh, I'm doing this for Allah. Like I'm helping this person. It so, just comes up naturally. So think about like ten different ways to do a good deed that will all be good. One is maybe you're gonna get rewarded from uh, for it with Jannah, with with heaven. Maybe you want to avoid hell. That's a different intention. Maybe you're just doing it instinctively out of the goodness of your heart. Yeah, yeah. Because one. you already have goodness in your heart. Okay. Right. Uh, maybe you just want to make Allah happy. Mm. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. Okay. Okay, now look at what, what the scenarios are. One is service to the parents, above the call of duty, right? Because, I mean, there's no obligation to stay up all night to give your parents, you know, a glass of milk. And then why would you stay up all night? Why not just put it on their, their counter and then just go to sleep, right? Because he wanted to take care of his kids at the same time. Mm -hmm. He was trying to balance both. Yeah, and so, so the point being that uh, this one way to remove the knots from your heart is to serve your parents above the call of duty. Okay. That, I think, in our society is very hard because we're so conditioned to, to resist our parents or we're so conditioned to go over, uh, do somersaults for our children but expect our parents to take care of themselves. That's, I think, how we're just conditioned in our society, right? But we're saying one way to remove the boulder from your heart is to serve your parents above the call of duty. Okay. And then on top of that, you can even say to choose your parents above your children, right? In, in the moment that both of them are in need. Of course, your children, may, if they're really small, you're going to have to take care of them. But suppose your child is 10 years old and your child is sick and your parents are sick. Yeah. You might ignore your parents for the sake of your child, right? right? But the point being that a lot of times we choose our child when we should be actually choosing our parents. Right? Why? Why, which one? Why do we do it, or why should we? Both. Okay. Like, well, why, why, why would we prefer to choose the parents versus the children? In our culture, uh, we put way more focus on your children than on your parents. No, I understand yeah. that. It's what, why and in so, this scenario? And, and so what we're saying is, that, so we're not, we're not talking about abandoning your children, mm -hmm. but we are saying essentially that you don't abandon your parents. Okay. Yeah. But it'll it'll make a lot more sense, inshallah, when you when you have children. Okay. That the way your child will become your world, mm -hmm. you're going to organize your career possibly around your children mm -hmm. for what's best for them. Yeah. And then try to put your parents in that scenario too. Okay. okay. And think about this especially when your parents get really old. Mm -hmm. Like why do we often put our parents in nursing homes? Because they don't want to deal with them. Yeah, they sometimes it's because we don't have the capability, but a lot of times it's yeah, we don't want to deal with them now. People have other people to deal with them. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so that's one way to remove a boulder from your heart is to, is to serve your parents above the call of duty. Second way to remove a boulder from your heart is if you are presented with the opportunity to exploit someone. Mm-hmm. Okay? And everything within yourself is saying, do it. Like blackmail almost. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's doing with this woman. It's blackmail, yeah. right? You know, I want you, I'll give you a hundred bucks because you're starving if you dishonor yourself by spending this time with me, right? It's not even so much about his particular, it's just exploitation period. Yeah, he's exploiting her need, yeah. right? And so another way to, to remove uh, a boulder from your heart is in those moments where you can take advantage of someone, you don't, especially if you really, really want to, okay? Like payback, someone who would want payback. Could be payback, yeah. That's a really good example. Yes. And you and you decide, for the sake of Allah, I'm not going to. Or like revenge, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he, you know, he keeps mentioning, how many times did he mention how much he passionately loved her, yeah, yeah. right? But his love for Allah was greater than his love for this woman. Okay. And then the last one. Uh, here is he could have taken advantage of the ignorance of the servant, of the worker. Right. Mm-hmm. He could have just paid the worker the money, and then that's it. Right? And then the worker never would have known, ever. Right? And he cashed in so much. And so there's a few things here. You could, if you're in a moment where you can take advantage of someone's ignorance, and you don't, like you can exploit someone's ignorance and you don't, and then on top of that, you have the strength to give up all of this wealth because it's so easy to get attached to wealth, especially if you have a windfall like this where he just suddenly has gotten all this wealth. It's so easy to get attached to it, mm-hmm. and you break that. So these are three ways to remove the boulders in your heart. Okay. So what I'm saying is read the story literally, mm-hmm. and when you read it literally, what are we saying? That the things you do with pure, pure intentions will, inshallah, manifest with other reliefs in your life, and you may not even realize why. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, these are also metaphors for ways to remove those boulders that are clogging your own heart, the knots that are clogging your own heart. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes, definitely. Okay, uh, you want to stop here or continue? Uh, sure. Yeah, we should probably stop. Yeah. Stop. yeah. All right, so next time we will continue with Hadith number 13. Uh, chapter 2. Almost there. No, is it? Oh, is it chapter two? For me, yeah. Oh, mashallah. All right. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi ilayk. Wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.